You guys, before we dive into God's word together, let's go ahead and pray. Well, before we even do that, why don't we go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 8. You guys know the drill by now. You know uh, the text that we have been looking at about being adopted by God. Romans chapter 8, I heard a word. Yep, there it is. You guys know the drill. When you're there, say word. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and pray. Let's, let's ask God right now to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is that we get to call you our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for your word. God, for giving us instruction on how you want us to live, but God, also for communicating through your word just how much you love us. And God, I pray for these here. God, that they would continue to grow in that love that you have for them. God, that day by day, moment by moment, that they would just experience more and more of your goodness, your presence, and who you are. God, as we dive into your word, would you magnify it in our hearts, give us understanding, give us focus, and may you be so glorified with our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so if you guys are taking notes, the title of tonight's message is Adopted, the Witness of the Spirit. And we see this in Romans 8.16. That's going to be our one verse that we are looking at tonight, though we will look at a lot of supporting verses as well. And so I want to ask you guys, I want to start this message rather, I want to start this message with some questions. And these are questions that we should all ask ourselves and questions that we should be able to answer. And I hope that by the time that we make it to the end of this study, that every single one of us is able to answer these questions. But what are the questions, Tate? What am I talking about? There'll be a couple of them on the screen. One of them being, how do I know that I am truly a child of God? That's a question that we should ask ourselves and a question that we should be able to answer. Another way of even saying that question is, how do I know that I am his and he is mine? How do I know that? How do I have confidence in that? Another question is, do I have the Holy Spirit in me? And finally, is there a confidence that I can have that I am really a child of God? And in our time together, you guys, we are really going to dive into what the Bible has to say in response to these questions. And like I said, prayerfully, by the end of tonight, you will have answers to these questions that we all must face. Now, kind of changing gears to introduce our text tonight, you guys, in Romans 8, 16, I want to kind of introduce a biblical principle that we see kind of woven throughout the pages of the Bible. And I'll explain why I'm introducing this principle in just a moment. But for now, what is the principle? The principle, you guys, is uh, we find it in verses like Deuteronomy 19.15. You could just jot down the references if you're interested in jotting it down. There's no slide for this one. But Deuteronomy 19.15, Matthew 18.16, 1 Timothy 5.19, 
teach us about this principle, and I'm quoting the Deuteronomy verse, though all of these verses are very similar, says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And we find this principle from, you know, the pages of Deuteronomy and Exodus back in the law. We find Jesus bring up this principle in Matthew 18, and we even find that Paul brings up this principle in the dealings of the church in 1 Timothy. You see, God seems to care that a matter, an accusation, a claim, that it be established or confirmed on the basis of two to three witnesses. Now, why do I bring this up? Because in our text tonight, you guys, in our one verse we're looking at, we're going to read about a couple of witnesses that testify to the fact that we are God's children. Now, I know that I am a child of God. Do you know that you are a child of God? Don't respond right now. Just think about that question. Do you know that you are a child of God? That's what we've been talking about in all of our teachings. And it's a question that you should ask yourself. And I want to kind of paint a picture for you guys in regards to the two to three witnesses idea and our text tonight. Um, I want to, in a, in a figurative sense, I'm not saying this literally, obviously, but in a like illustrative, figurative sense, I want us to imagine as though we are entering into a courtroom tonight. Now, you guys are 11, 12, 13, maybe some 14-year-olds in here tonight. I wouldn't imagine that you've had too much experience in courtrooms, but maybe, uh, like me, you have parents who watch endless hours of Judge Judy and Judge... <laughs> Judge Million, yeah, anybody have parents that watch that? I don't even know if those shows are still on, but I want to kind of, I want to kind of lay out an image for you guys to help make sense of what God says in Romans eight sixteen to us. So in a courtroom, you guys, there's the plaintiff, which is the one who is essentially offering the accusation. There's the defendant, there's the calling of the witnesses to the stand, there's the judge, there's the jury, so on and so forth. And I want you to think about those specific roles. Uh, number one, we can think about the enemy. Who's the enemy? We can think about Satan as like the plaintiff, right? And I want to clarify, we're not talking about a crime that we committed, but rather a claim that we are making. And that claim is that I am a child of God. And the Bible teaches us that Satan, he is actually the accuser of the brethren. And so he fits kind of that plaintiff mold, and he's pointing over there at us, and he's saying, you're not a child of God. What about when you sinned against God? Am I the only one who's ever experienced thoughts like this? I don't think I am, right? We all have wrestled with thoughts like this, thoughts that the enemy tries to put into our head. And as we read in 1 John 2 today in your guys' morning devotion time, Right, we learn that Jesus is our what? Does anybody remember the word? Starts with an A. Well, Abba, we talked about that last night. I'm talking about your morning time today. Jonathan, what is it? He is our advocate. And I don't know if in the discussion with your cabin groups, if it got brought up what advocate means, but it's essentially like Jesus is our defender, like he is our lawyer. So he's like in our corner while the enemy is accusing us of not being a child of God, Jesus is in our corner as our advocate. And as we'll see in our text tonight, you guys, remember, keep think through that courtroom image. 
there are going to be a couple of witnesses that are called to the stand. And the witnesses will simply share of what they saw and what they know. That's all a witness does. And in our text tonight, we're going to see who these witnesses are. And remember, we're not talking about a crime. We're talking about a claim. What is the claim? You guys should be in Romans 8.16, yes? Look down in your Bibles. What does it say? It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the claim that is an examination, if you will, tonight is the claim of adoption, right? What have we been talking all about adoption? The idea that God is my father and I am his child, that I have that relationship with him. You know, the claim of adoption, you guys, it's kind of, we don't always say to people when, you know, they ask us what we believe, we don't always bring up adoption, but we will say things like, oh yes, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm a believer, I've been born again, I'm a Christ follower, I'm in Christ. We say all of these things which are all saying the same thing, right? That I have been adopted by God, that I am a child of God. And I don't know if you guys know this, I did a little uh, research in my study for tonight's message and found out, this was mind-blowing to me, that according to a couple of different research organizations, they estimate, and I'm going to say estimate, that there are approximately 2 to 2.5 billion, everybody look at me, Christians in the world. And that means that there's roughly about one-third of the entire world's population Claims to be a Christian, or like we said, claims to be a child of God. That's a lot of people. One third of the entire earth, that's a lot of people. But does this mean that 2 to 2.5 billion people who make that claim, that claim of adoption, does it mean that they are indeed what they say they are? No, we know that. We know that that is not necessarily the case for everyone who claims to be a Christian. And in Romans 8:16, you guys, we just read it. We see the claim clearly stated. The claim is the second part, look back down in your Bibles. The second part says that we are children of God. That's the claim, right? Many of you, hopefully by now, you've been offered the opportunity for salvation. I know you've been offered the opportunity for salvation, the opportunity to be adopted by God. I hope you've taken that opportunity, and if you have not, we are still here for you to help you in that, but if you say, yes, I'm adopted by God, you are essentially making the claim, but in the text, we see the two witnesses that are described. Remember that principle of two to three witnesses? We see the two witnesses described that testify of the truth of this claim. What are the two witnesses? The first witness, if you're taking notes, you guys, is our spirit, our spirit. The text says that our spirit bears witness with, or it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit. We'll start with our spirit first. And we see that one of these two witnesses is our very own spirit. Now, we don't use, you know, the word spirit to refer to us very often. We know it refers to the Holy Spirit. We are talking, when we say our spirit, you guys, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is the inner you. It is the immaterial part of who you are. And I want to I make a, a case that it is the real you. You know, these bodies that we have, we think of our bodies as who we are 
But are our bodies really who we are? No, it's what's on the inside. As God's word tells us that God sees the heart. God sees straight through the body. He sees the real us. He sees our spirit. And our spirit, you guys, this is the part of us that is able to have a genuine relationship with the God of heaven and earth, the God who created us. And what we learn about the witness of our spirit, you guys, is that there's this inner confidence that is available to us as a child of God. An inner confidence that maybe some of you have, but I know for a fact that some of you don't have this inner confidence that you can know that I am a child of God. Your spirit, the inner you, can have that inner confidence. And this is not to say that the inner confidence, you guys, is some sort of internal feeling that we feel. It's not a feeling. Because if we base our relationship with God on feelings, you guys, we're going to be super up and down. And life does have ups and downs, right? But our relationship with God should be steady, a steady incline, always growing. So don't base your relationship with God on feelings. I really want to encourage you guys on that. You know, for a period of my Christian life, my relationship with God was purely based on how I felt that day or how I felt the next day. We're very emotional people, right? We go up and down, up and down constantly. And if we're basing our relationship with God, if we're basing our relationship with God as his children out of our emotions, out of our feelings, you guys, then we will surely endure the, the torture that the enemy loves to use against us when he says, you're not really a child of God. What about, what about you know, when you did that? And if he catches us on an off day, Right? Then we really start to nurture that thought and we really start to give in to that way of thinking when we shouldn't. So how can we have this inner confidence in our spirit, you guys? Is it just that we, we just muster up some confidence like, oh, I'm just going to decide to be confident? No, not necessarily. What it really is, you guys, it's a matter of taking God at his word. When God makes promises in his word, do you know he wants you to believe him? He does. We have such a hard time with this sometimes. God, God gives us these numerous promises in his word that he wants us to believe. And on a bad day, we're like, oh, I, don't, I don't really know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that for me. Maybe it's true for everybody else, but is it true for me? But you can have that inner confidence by taking God at his word. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, you guys, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We could even say there, you will be adopted. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, if you take just that promise alone, if you take God at his word right there, then you don't ever need to doubt your salvation. You don't ever need to doubt if you've been adopted. We struggle with taking God at his word sometimes, do we not? We do. But what I love about God's word, you guys, it says from everlasting to everlasting. That we can rely on God's word. God says that his word will endure forever. And the promises that God makes towards us, we can take to the bank. Not a literal bank, but the idea is that 
you can just believe that and believe it with all of who you are. This inner confidence also comes, you guys, from believing that God is able to keep that which has been committed to him. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy verse 1, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 12. What does he say? He says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he, who is he? God, Jesus, yes, the Holy Spirit, that he is able to keep, or the idea is guard, what I have committed to him until that day. What, we, what have we committed to the Lord? Have we not committed our very souls to the Lord? When we said, God, save me, God, adopt me, I give you my life. We've given him our souls, we've given him, given him our life. And to have the inner confidence that we are a child of God, a true child of God, is to believe that God is able to keep our souls. You know, if we didn't have that confidence that God was able to keep us, if God was like, you know, butterfingers and like always dropping the football and your soul is the football, then we would have every right to be concerned, right? But that's not how it is. God has you. If you are his, he has you. And even amongst the many mistakes that we make, God is holding on to you. He is able to keep you. You see, you guys, if we can truly take God at his word tonight and in our lives, which like we said can sometimes be difficult, but if we could do that, we will be able to maintain an inner confidence in our spirit, in our inner being that testifies like that first witness that essentially comes to the stand and says, that I am a child of God. If we could take God at his word and believe that he is able to keep what we've committed to him, we'll maintain that inner confidence that we are his. And I want to say something about this inner confidence. This inner confidence, you guys, I want you to jot this down, is confidence in God, not us. It is confidence that God, when he makes promises to us, that he will keep it. It is confidence in God that when he says he is able to keep us, that we can have absolute assurance and not need to worry if God's going to back up what he says. He will back up what he says. The confidence that we can have internally, you guys, is available to us by being confident in who our God is. It's not something that we just muster up. But what I love about it, you guys, is it's just simple trust. Childlike faith. That I could just, when God says something, I could just believe it. Because I'm his child and I know that promise is for me. Now, I want to say this about this inner confidence that we're talking about. The, the inner spirit, our spirit that we're talking about. Being confident in who we are as God's children. You know, it's possible to have a false inner confidence. Jesus says that someday there's going to be some people who make it to him, and they're going to talk to him all about what they did for him. And you know what he says to them? He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. And some people, they have deceived themselves into thinking that they're God's children, when in reality, they, have, excuse me, they haven't actually been adopted by God. You know, there are testimonies of many people, you guys, who have lived much of their lives believing that they had this genuine relationship with God, only for God to wake them up one day 
to the reality that they were just going through the motions, that they were just doing the Christian stuff, that they were just talking the Christian talk. You know, there are some people who have that false inner confidence. And the idea of going through the motions, you guys, it happens a lot easier than you even think. It's the idea that, you know, those who are able to, like I said, talk the talk. And from the outside, it almost looks like they even walk the walk. Right? But they didn't have a real relationship with God. It was all for show. And oftentimes these people, they blend in. We don't even really know who they are. But time will tell. Time will tell. 1 John 2.19, a verse that you also read this morning. I love how in sync 1 John is, is with our teachings that we're going through. 1 John 2.19, I don't think it'll be on the screens. I'm pretty sure you just jot down the reference. And you read it earlier today, like I said. What about, you know, what about those who essentially, look at me again. I'm going to make air quotes so we get the idea. What about those who walk away from their faith? Air quotes, in a sense, is a form of sarcasm, if you didn't know that. But what about those who walk away from their faith? 1 John tells us very clearly. 1 John 2.19 says that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued what is it? With us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, meaning that it would be made known, essentially, that none of them were of us. Time will tell. Time will tell who have that false inner confidence. You know, this means that those who supposedly, you know, have you ever heard of stories about someone who has, like, renounced their faith? They say, yeah, I don't believe anymore. One of my childhood, not really heroes, but, you know, someone that when I was a kid, there was this band that I was really into. Um, it was a Christian band. Some of you might know. Uh, Hawk Nelson. Has anyone heard of them? I don't know if you guys know. Uh, well, they started out, like, with this real cool punk rock sound. Then they got kind of poppy. I didn't listen to them as much anymore. But when they first came out, you know, I loved their music, and I used to listen to them all the time. I had their albums on repeat in my CD player back in the day when those were a thing. Um, and I just loved listening to them, and they made, you know, godly music that was cool to listen to and sounded great. Their lead singer just recently, about uh, a little under two years ago, I think, he came out and said, he said, I don't believe in God anymore. I've renounced my faith in God. What about those people? They went out from us, but they were not, or they, excuse me, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. I can even think of people in my life, you guys, that, you know, you're going through youth group. You guys are going to go from junior high into the high school ministry, Lord willing. And you'll continue to, you know, have these relationships with people in this room and other people at our church, students your age. I had those relationships with people as well in junior high and high school. And I look back now and I can even, I see like, you know, social media can help keep you informed about the way a person is living. And, you know, I don't necessarily have contact with these people anymore, but I see sometimes the way that they're living and I'm like, man, did you ever really know God? And it's unfortunate, but we want to make sure that we don't have a false confidence in our adoption. We want to have a true confidence, you guys. But in addition to having a false confidence, you know what's also 
What also can be the case? That there can be those who doubt. There can be those who have a heart that condemns themselves. Maybe that's some of you guys tonight. Maybe some of you, every altar call, it seems like you're raising your hand because you just don't have confidence in your salvation. You don't have confidence in your adoption. Maybe that is you tonight. Maybe you're, maybe you're someone who just doubts or has a heart that condemns itself. And if you are one of those people, I want to give you a verse that you should treasure with all of who you are and memorize. 1 John 3, 19 through 21, specifically verse 20. It says, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Here it is. For if our heart condemns us, God is what? Greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So what do we do about a self-condemning heart? We believe what verse 20, verse 20 says right there. That God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What a great promise it is, you guys, that God is greater than even our self-condemning hearts and all of our doubts. You know that with your doubts, you know what God would say? Bring them to me. He would say, let's reason together. Let's work that out. He wants you to come to him with your doubts. And the one who is greater than our hearts, you guys, is actually, it's a perfect segue into our second and more powerful witness that we're looking at tonight, which is the Spirit himself. The one who, as 1 John says, is greater than our hearts. Right, what does it say in verse 16, you guys? It says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So it's as though our spirit goes up and takes the witness stand and speaks that I am a child of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes up right after us with the most powerful testimony that there is and says, yep, he or she is a child of God. But when we talk about the spirit, you guys, who exactly are we talking about? You guys know this. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Great job. The Holy Spirit, you guys, the Spirit of God. He is the third person of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Exactly. The Spirit, you guys, is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. And sometimes, oftentimes, we don't, we don't think about the Holy Spirit enough. But we should be well acquainted with him. You see, the word of God tells us so much about the Holy Spirit and, and much of the roles that he has in our lives. Did you know that? There's a lot of different roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. Now, I, I, we spend all night talking about all of these roles. I want to kind of just introduce some of these roles to you, but we're specifically looking at one of the roles, which we'll come back to. But what are some of these roles? Jesus tells us in John 16, verse 8, you guys, that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. Jesus says, and when he has come, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
Just later in that same chapter of John 16, Jesus says that another role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in all truth. It says in verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Just, uh, I don't know if it was last Sunday, no, it was two Sundays ago, I think, if you guys were with us, we talked about how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. You guys remember that? If you were there on Sunday? Yeah, and what are we talking about when we talk about how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us? It's the idea that he is making us, he's making us, what's the word? It starts with an H. Holy, yes. He is making us like Christ. He is making us holy. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 2, we'll just look at verse 2. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, because God from the beginning chose you, you could say adopted you, for salvation through what? Sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And you guys, all these roles, that's just like the tip of the iceberg of the Holy Spirit, what he does. We could spend all night looking at just even one of those. But the main role that we're looking at tonight, you guys, is how the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The idea of him bearing witness with our spirit, you guys, is like he's that second witness who takes the stand and confirms the claim that we have made that we are children of God. Did you guys know that it is a biblical truth that every true adopted child of God has the Holy Spirit living within them. We see this, we see this in uh, Romans 8 and 9. Paul states it so clearly. Jot down the reference, Romans 8 and 9. says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the what? What does it say? In the Spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. I want to ask you guys, don't answer. It's between you and the Lord. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. I love how Paul says it also in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. you guys. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple, everybody say temple, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is what? Who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. What's the concept of a temple? It is the dwelling place of God, meaning that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. His spirit lives through me. And that I recognize that I am not my own. If you believe that, I just want you to say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. I am not my own. I am the Lord's. I am the Holy Spirit. I am the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. At the moment of salvation, you guys, God, he places his spirit inside of the believer. Yes, to guide us and, and to sanctify us but also to do things like this, to seal and to guarantee. 
And we're going to spend a moment looking at these two things. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit seals us? What does it mean that he, guarantee, that he is our guarantee? See, those, those jobs and all of the jobs really of the Holy Spirit, they work together to effectively bear witness to the fact that we are children of God. But let's look at the first one, you guys, which is to seal. To seal. No, we're not talking about the or, or, that kind of seal. I'll explain to you in a second what we're talking about when we refer to how the Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians 1.13, you just heard this verse this past Sunday if you were at church. We just started Ephesians, and this was one of the, actually, I don't know, did we get to this? No, we didn't get to this verse. Next Sunday, you're going to hear about it, my bad. Um, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were, what does it say? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Guys, this is awesome. To be sealed by the Spirit is the idea that we have been marked by him. Pastor Jack last night talked about how we have been, as adopted sons and daughters of God, we have been marked by God. And to be sealed by the Spirit is the idea that we have been marked by him, that we are one of the Lord's. See, God sets his seal upon us. The Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit testifies to the fact that we are the Lord's, that he is our Father. I want to show you guys a picture of what this kind of seal uh, that is being referred to in the text. The seal, you guys, is actually what they would use back in those days to seal a letter. That's, the, that's kind of what uh, the concept was. They would mount this hot wax, they would pour a little bit on the letter, they would then take an emblem, like a stamp almost, and they would place it then on the hot wax. And as the hot wax cools, it will seal the letter. And you know what's so awesome? Is the Holy Spirit being our seal is as though the image of that seal is the fact, you could even imagine that seal saying, this one is mine. I love that. The Holy Spirit, you guys, is our mark of adoption. He has marked us by the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing to think about. What's the next thing we're looking at about how the Holy Spirit is? Is that he is to be our guarantee. Our guarantee. Also back in Ephesians 1, just the next verse after Ephesians 1.13 says, who, we're referring to the Holy Spirit, remember the previous verse just talked about the Holy Spirit, and this verse continues that thought, says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? And then 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, verse 22. Who has sealed us, we just talked about that, and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? As a guarantee. The meaning of the Holy Spirit being our guarantee, you guys, is, is the idea is he's like the down payment that God makes towards us. The down payment. Anybody know what a down payment is? Did you know that your parents, in order for you to have a spot reserved 
for a camp, you know what they had to make? They had to make a down payment. And they reserved that spot for you. And the Holy Spirit is that down payment for us, essentially. It signifies that God has made an investment into you and I as his children by giving us his spirit. And you want to know what's awesome? Is God will not walk away from those whom he has invested himself into through his spirit. God has pledged his Holy Spirit to us, you guys. And in doing so, promises that the spirit, he will be our guarantee all the way until we reach eternity. Until we're with the Lord. Now back to that courtroom image that I gave you guys at the beginning. For those whom God's spirit has sealed and been given to as a guarantee, it's as though the Holy Spirit takes the witness stand and testifies to the fact that we are the Lord's, that we are our Father's. He takes the stand and confirms the testimony of our spirit that declares that we are God's children. The witness of the spirit, you guys, settles it. Case closed. No debate. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're his. You're the Lord's. And I want to end on this verse, Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. How was the love of God poured out in our hearts? What does it say? By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So back to those original questions that we pondered in the beginning, you guys. How do I know I'm a child of God? Is it possible to have an inner confidence that I really am a child of God? We're going to revisit those in just a moment. Let's just revisit them now. How about that? It is possible to know you are a child of God. It is possible to have an absolute assurance that you are his. And what I love about having an absolute assurance, you guys, is get this. On your best days, you're his. On your worst days, guess what? You're his. You know, one of the devil's oldest tricks in the books, you know what it is? Is to get us to doubt if we are really children of God. He's been doing it from generation to generation, and he's still doing it. We ought to get wise on his tricks and start realizing what he does and be like, oh, yeah, that's just Satan being Satan being horrible. Why does he, why does he try and get, this, get, get us in this way, you guys? Why does he even bother to try and get us to think that? It's because that he knows that if he can get us to be convinced in our own heart that we're not of the Lord, when even if we really are, if he could get us to start doubting that and start condemning ourselves, then we're just going to walk around like this. We're not going to experience the joy of the Lord. We're not going to experience the peace of God. 
We're not going to experience the abundant life that Jesus wants to give us. If he could get us with that, then he knows that he'll rob us of those things that God wants for us. And he knows that we'll just live our lives in constant fear and never really do much, much of anything meaningful for the kingdom of God. It would be hard to do something meaningful for the kingdom of God if you don't really know if you're of the kingdom of God, right? But we can know. The thing is, is you don't, you don't need to give in to those thoughts that the enemy just shoots like darts into your head of like, are you really saved? Are you sure you're, you're, one, of, you're one of God's? What about what you did yesterday? One of God's children want to do that. Not, I'm not sure if he could forgive you of that. We don't have to give in to those thoughts. We know that. We do sometimes, but we don't have to. We can know with absolute assurance. Everybody say absolute assurance. We can know with absolute assurance that we are in the family of God. And how can we have that absolute assurance? Because of the Holy Spirit in us. Those who are God's children, you guys, they have the guarantee and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, back to our verse, Romans 8, 16, because we've been sealed, because he is our guarantee, he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I want to ask you guys, don't respond, don't raise your hand. It's just between you and the Lord. Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? If you've been adopted, if you've been truly adopted, you do. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And worship team, you guys could start making your way up. You guys, our prayer tonight don't close your Bibles. Don't start getting distracted. This is important. This is a very special moment between you and the Lord right now. And fidgeting and closing your books would rob you of that moment. Our prayer tonight must be that one, if we're not adopted and we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, that we would make that decision to become adopted tonight. To say, Jesus, save me. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. That you died and were raised on the cross, or excuse me, died on the cross and were raised from the grave for my sins. Get adopted tonight. Why not? If you've been pushing that off, why not? Maybe God's speaking to you right now. Maybe you've been living your life with a little bit of that false confidence that we talked about. When God might be speaking to you tonight, saying, I want you to make the decision for me tonight. I want you to become a part of my family, the real deal. And you guys, tonight, all of us should ask the Lord to awaken us. If you are a child of God and you are adopted, we should all ask God to awaken us to the reality of his Holy Spirit within us. Because it is by the witness of the Holy Spirit, you guys, that we can have that absolute assurance that we are his.
We're going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to stay up here, and I'm going to talk about what's going to happen shortly after, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, that you did not leave us orphans to live this life on our own, but that you gave us your Holy Spirit to seal us, to mark us that we are one of yours, to be our guarantee all the way until we reach heaven's shores. Lord, we thank you for this. I just pray for these students here tonight. Lord, if they're not sure of the presence of the Holy Spirit within them tonight, God, that they would cry out to you, even as simple as right now, that they would just cry out, Lord, would you save me? Would your Holy Spirit come into my life? And God, I pray for those who are yours, but are living in constant torment because of the enemy and his lies of how he is constantly trying to convince them that they're not one of yours when really they are. Lord, I pray for those who tonight are enduring that torment, Lord, that they would just give it to you. Lord, that they would trust with all of who they are, every single bit, that you are greater than our hearts, that you are greater than our doubts, that you are greater than our self-condemnation, and that you would remind them that they are yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.